2: Show some love to the
3: new while you're there. Let's take it one day at a time, Did you and I outweigh. Happy Saturday, Outway fam. Amy here, and I actually have another Amy joining us today. She is our expert, Dr. Amy Porto. Amy, hello. Thank you for coming.
2: Amy, hello. <laughs> Glad to be here.
3: Thank you for coming to this Zoom. I wish that we were able to talk in person, but Amy is a anti-diet registered dietitian, a nutrition educator, and a certified intuitive eating counselor. So you have over 20 years of experience, which is a wealth of knowledge, that's for sure. And I want to talk today about how words matter. Words matter in all kinds of relationships, but especially when it comes to our relationship to food and then our body and then our self-worth, and sometimes, well, not some, all the time, I think how we feel about the food can affect how we feel about the body, which can affect how we feel about our self-worth. So walk us through that.
2: Yeah, I I really do believe strongly, and I know you do as well, about the words that we say matter, and sometimes we don't think about that when we're talking about food. You know, we're out to lunch with somebody, and we say things like, oh, I'm going to be good today and have the salad you know, those types of things. But we are inherently good in our value, regardless of the types of foods that we're choosing. But the types of decisions that we make, it does get internalized. And it becomes a bigger issue as we're looking like, as you mentioned, from like an education safe space of where I spend a lot of time when we have these lists of these are the good foods, or these are the bad foods, or these are the clean foods, or which inherently means the other foods are the dirty foods, and superfoods and like all of these types of labels that we put on things, we then start to take those into ourselves in some ways that we are better than or less than in ways that food doesn't really have that type of moral power over us.
3: Yeah, that's something we try to drive home here is that food has no moral value. And so I don't even really think that sometimes people realize they're doing it And now that I'm out of it, I notice it a lot more. And of course, I don't feel the need to call anybody out on it. I just think in my head like, oh, I don't even think she realized she just said that. And I guess men can do it too. But in my experience, I witness a lot of women talking this way because that's how we've grown up to feel about food. Mm -hmm. And it's a way that
2: in a strange way that we bond with each other too. You know what we bond over conversations about food just because you gave that example. Like I often wonder when men sit down to lunch how much of that conversation is about who ordered what, (laughs) you know, there's so much of this connection to each other. If I got this and you got that more so about having a sense of like, okay, we're all okay with these choices, you know, and I'm okay in the group. And like, there's a bonding that happens that, I don't know, it just culturally connects us in ways that probably aren't great a lot of the time until you realize it.
3: Yeah. And I think something I used to do that was very common and, You know, no shame if you're listening and I give this example right now and you said it yesterday. (laughs) That is not the point of this conversation. It's just to be more self-aware of how you're speaking about food. But anyway, something that I used to say was, well, okay, you know, you're talking about being out to eat with a girlfriend. I'd be like, okay, well, let's order this and then we'll go run tomorrow or go to the gym tonight and we'll be sure to work it off or do you want to get dessert? We can go do this yoga class or X, Y, Z. However, there was always a you know, a price to pay. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, there's some kind of compensation that I need to take care of or burn this off or do something as a result of what you were taking in. Yeah, for sure. Like almost treating ourselves like a math problem, right? If this is coming in, then I have to cancel it out in some particular way. But yeah, even that language that we use, not so much like the good and bad. I think lots of folks are talking about that. Like, yeah, there's no good food and there's no bad food, you know, in that language. But we even get into things like this is junk, Or this is garbage food, right? Or this is just trash, you know, that type of language. And that gets internalized too. And a lot of the conversations I know, you know, we're having just you and I together and within the show is oftentimes, you know, we're thinking about how this impacts ourselves, right? The things that we say to ourselves. But in a role that I work as a nutrition professor and like educating future dietitians as well, I think about that messaging just in general when we refer to food in that way. Because there's folks who are eating a variety of different types of foods, depending on the access and the means that they have to get those. And when we categorize certain things as being just trash food and junk food, you know, what are we also saying about ourselves, but groups of people as well who are making decisions, you know, based on what they have access to?
3: Yeah, that's such an important point to remember, or even know. Some people may not even need to, they've never heard it before. (laughs) So it's not even something that they can remember. But now... Now you've heard it. So it's definitely something to consider and process. And what advice do you have for parents that have kids? And I'm trying to instill in Mm -hmm. my kids. This is something where I don't speak about food when it comes to my own food that I'm eating. But sometimes when I talk to them, I I catch myself being like, oh, have you had anything healthy today? And then I'm like, oh, shoot, I got to back it up and kind of rephrase that and say, have we had a vegetable or a fruit today that's going to offer our body some nutrients and some things for our brain and our heart and all that our different organs or things that we need. Like I mess up often and I'm admitting it. So is, is there anything that's like you advise to parents? That's just really easy way to talk about that kind of food. Yeah. I
2: think if we're just kind of looking at, and that's a great example that you gave, I think you're doing it right. You know that what are all the different things that different foods can give to you? And some days it's things about like, these are some great decisions because you're headed off to a sports practice and you're going to need endurance or you're not going to you know have an opportunity to eat for a long period of time. Or maybe you don't want something really heavy in your stomach at this point if you're going to go off and do whatever's happening next. Like, what's the function that it's going to perform? And sometimes the function is because we're all having fun and sitting down and watching a movie. And the function is this tastes good and that's what I'm going to have. And I want some crunchy popcorn or whatever it's going to be. So kind of framing it in, it in that way of like what's going to feel good to you in the short term, in the long term, what's going to provide you with what you're going to need coming up. And that extends for us as adults, too. And we start to think of it that way, that everything can have purpose, but it's what's the purpose that we need in that period of time.
3: Right. As you were saying, and I know I was asking about the kids and I was like, oh, this is exactly how we <laughs> need to be looking at it as adults, too. But I guess. I know that I've tackled it and how I talk to myself about food, but gosh, sometimes with the kids, it's just the thing that comes out because I know they have had, you know, been eating all kinds of X, Y, Z that I'm like, oh gosh, their energy or maybe their mood is totally going to be affected by this if we don't course correct for a minute. But then again, I don't want them to feel bad about that or to give that other food power to where they then think they need to deny themselves which will then make them want it even more
2: yeah it's it's so much of our stuff right and the messaging that comes in i always yeah. like the example of like you know you're feeding a baby and they always have that face at some point where they're like mm, no i'm done you know like i'm done i'm turning my face and we already start doing it then you know we're doing the best we can like here's the airplane noises and just take one more bite and there's only a little bit left in the jar and all of those things where they've given us like clear signals that they're done or they're not feeling good or it doesn't taste good. And so the more that we kind of step out of the way, we don't interfere.
3: When it comes to intuitive eating, since you're a certified coach, what is one of the most common misconceptions about intuitive eating?
2: I think misconception wise is you've given up on your health and you can just do whatever you want. You know, this is just, you know, we're just not worried about anything and just eat whatever you want. and But there's no um, thinking about that as how that relates to health completely. And then also, probably the other big one is it's the hunger and fullness diet, it gets turned into rules. And so for those of us who've had experiences following a lot of plans and rules and all of these things, the idea to stand back and be like, wow, I get to make some decisions for myself is challenging. So when you start to get some boundaries around that, like, oh, I need to assess my hunger and fullness, that can become a little rigid for folks. But I think the public perception is very much like, ah. People don't care about their health or just eat whatever they want, you know, type of thing. And there's a piece to that of maybe opening things up um, around what rigidity might have been. But it's certainly not without having concern for your well-being.
3: And I think that fits into what we're talking about right now, too, just because you are trying to be in recovery or you're in an active recovery or you're thinking about recovery doesn't mean you're throwing in the towel on health. Although I will say it does get a little bit tricky, especially if you've been in the orthorexia space, which I was for sure. My eating disorder has multiple layers, but you know, so obsessed with eating only these certain foods that were on my list that when I opened things back up, I did have to allow more things in and give myself that permission over and over to have it. So I felt that freedom. Sure. And I've described it before on other episodes as like this pendulum. And I kind of feel like I swung all the way the other direction so that I could swing back down and level out. Yeah. And my body finally found its sweet spot or you know, my brain, my gut, my cravings, whatever, mm-hmm. finally found its sweet spot. But yeah. I think that you're right. It's a misconception that we're just throwing in the towel and eating whatever we want and having sugary lattes every single day when that's really not the case.
2: To your point there, too, I think that's important to touch on for people who are early on in recovery or or thinking about that that pendulum swing, because that can be a scary place you know, to be over on that one side where things are swinging in a direction and, and feeling safe that it's going to come back into the middle and knowing that it's not always going to be in that swing to the one side, if you're so used to being kind of on the complete opposite side, working with someone that can kind of provide that guidance and assurance throughout the process is helpful. And, and also, I would say another piece in, in intuitive eating with clients that I've worked with is, especially through recovery, is having a sense of what are hunger and fullness cues. You know, if you've spent a lot of time kind of faking out hunger or not even allowing yourself to be full, that's going to be a process to kind of relearn and being back in touch with your body in some way.
3: Yeah. And what you get to realize too, is that every day can look so different. I remember having such rigid rules, but so many days looked exactly the same because that Mm. is what I allowed myself. And now I have days where I am not as hungry and I pay attention to that. And I have days where I'm like, wow, I am so hungry today. And I honor that. And so for me, the days just look so different when, you know, they used to feel like Groundhog Day.
2: Yeah. And that's a really great example, too, because so much is different all the time from day to day, just based on how you're feeling and your activity level and just life being life that we can get really structured in, you know, this is the quantity that I eat or the type of food I eat at this time and this time and this other time without ever assessing all those other pieces. And We wouldn't do that with other bodily functions. You know, when you think of other things happening in your body, you don't think, well, I just went to the bathroom. I shouldn't possibly have to do that again. Like we would say, like, I can't possibly be hungry. Like something's different today and that's okay. So it's an interesting way to reframe it.
3: Yeah. And it may take you a while to to figure all of that out. It's not a quick (laughs) fix. There's this not a microwave solution. It takes patience. Yeah. And, you know, we're here to encourage you through that and to let to remind you of that when you have those frustrating days where you're like, oh, I just wish I could just get this down. I mean, you're rewiring your brain in a sense. And, you know, not only in how you talk about food, the more and more you talk about it the right way and not give it that moral power, yeah. then the easier it'll get. But, yeah, let's wrap up with talking about how, That can even affect our self worth when we're talking to food in that way.
2: Yeah, it definitely can have an impact as we label foods in particular ways. I think there is this aspirational part to food that when we're looking for an identity around some of that or connecting to self worth, we're choosing, you know, the quote unquote good foods or the clean foods or the whatever that aspirational part of it is, when really. All of that value and worth is was inside of us, regardless of the food choices that we had. You know, I shared something a while ago about that idea of, you know, I'll be good and have the salad, but you're good, you know, if you had the cheeseburger and you're good if you had the cheesecake and you're good if you ate after seven and you're good if you missed a Monday on your workout, like all of those things, you are inherently worthy and of value regardless of the food choices that you're making. And so stepping away from some of that language can help break that connection between the types of things that we're consuming and then our value or our worth as a person.
3: I love ending on that note with that reminder of just because the cheeseburger and then you've been trained to think cheeseburger bad yeah. doesn't mean that you're bad. And it's crazy to think how how easily we have that thought process and I definitely lived in that space for a very 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 long time. And just one other quick thing that popped into my head that we've talked about many many times before but I still see it on social media. So I just feel like I want to get, Amy, your thoughts on it. But (sighs) focusing a little at all on what other people are eating and thinking that they're better because they eat that way. And oh, you wish you could be that good if only you could eat exactly like they do. And how, you know, what I eat in a day type Mm -hmm. videos or posts, how damaging those can be.
2: Oh, I got lots to say about that, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, the comparison part because again, it—I I think it goes back to what we were just talking about. It it goes back to connecting worth of anyone related to the choices on their plate. So it would make sense that if I am making things, decisions for myself that I am good or bad or worthy or whatever that's going to be based on what I'm eating, well, of course I would make those same assumptions based on what you're eating if we were sitting across from each other, and if the person kind of has culturally a body type or shape that's aspirational to me for whatever reason, well, then of course, I'm going to be connected to seeing what's on their plate, not knowing, you know, the wealth of other things that could be going on that are health related and, you know, two people eating the same way and moving in the same way are not going to show up in their bodies in the same way. And that can be frustrating if we're trying to follow what someone eats in a day, because we don't necessarily have that same connection just based on movement and truth. But yeah, the comparison of that, I think if we stop the language towards ourselves and how we evaluate food, it helps to not be necessarily evaluating what other people are eating as well.
3: Well, Amy, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and encouragement with us. That's a lot about what these episodes are, is just a weekly dose of digestible encouragement that you can think about. And then keep in your back pocket if you need to bust it out um, during the week, because it's it's definitely a journey. And so, so many of us are on it. And, you know, whether it's something you're trying to do for yourself or do things differently for your kids, I know you can do it. And I I'm on the journey. And Amy, you've been there too.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. I think you, you can't be someone in the culture, right? In our culture, just surrounded by all that. If you have enough years of life behind you, yeah, we're all going through it just at different levels.
3: And so where can people find you on Instagram?
2: On Instagram? I am at Dr. Amy Porto, doctor with a period, because otherwise it looks like Dramy.
3: <laughs> oh, true. I hadn't <laughs> thought about that. So yeah. Dr. period, Amy, and then P-O-R-T-O. R-T-O. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on and joining our Outway fam Uh, i always appreciate experts and their wisdom and again like the number one thing is just the encouragement and reminding people that they're not alone
2: yeah thanks so much for having me and i really really love what you're doing here with the show what a great great idea and a great resource for folks thanks for inviting me to be here